Welcome to Start to Finish, the XRTZO podcast, where we explore the scriptures to prepare and equip real people for real purpose. Here's your host, Dr. Christopher Romano. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me today on the Start to Finish podcast. We are in week three of a really important series on the presence of God. Now, I say really important because I believe that nothing should be more central to our lives than God's presence. And unfortunately, the notion of God's presence is oftentimes just more ambiguous and vague than it is a living, vibrant reality that defines our lives. So my hope and expectation is that through this series, God's presence becomes clear to you, discernible from the scriptures, and something that just provokes you to experience and encounter his presence more than you ever have before. Now, throughout this series, in addition to the teaching, I'm also providing you with some brief testimonies of some of my current and former students who serve as great examples of those whose lives have been completely transformed by the power of God's word. Now, I'm convinced that every Christian should learn how to read, to study, and to memorize God's truth. And and while you don't have to enroll in Bible college To do that, there are certain unique environments that assist and empower you to do that in ways that you just simply can't on your own. VCBCS is one of those environments. And don't just take my word for it. Take the word of current VCBCS student, Tracy Marsh. Tracy is a fireball for Jesus. And I've witnessed firsthand the powerful shift that has taken place in her life since she first started taking classes with us some years ago. Listen now as she describes the practical influence that her education has had both in her personal life and in her ministry. Hi, my name is Tracy Marsh and I'm working towards my PhD in theology and I'm from upstate New York. Probably about five years ago, I started taking classes with Dr. Chris simply because I was curious what was going on in our local church basement on Tuesday nights. I couldn't believe, though, the transformative power of what I was learning, and that first class turned into another, turned into another, until I received my master's degree in biblical studies this summer. But let me share briefly why I'm now a part of the PhD program. Earlier this year, there was a mass shooting in a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. One of my very best friends and her family lives there, and this was their local store. This is where they shop, get their prescriptions. Her daughter was actually supposed to be there that day at that time, and it's where her son skates and grabs pizza with his friends nearby. They knew all the cashiers and all the people who worked there. When I first heard that this had happened, it was horrifying, and I knew that there was nothing I could say in the natural to help with their trauma and fear. But then I realized that I had been trained up in these classes with words of life, and I could speak of God's love and his promises in this storm. And that's when it hit me, that this school is a weapon in the spiritual realm because it takes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and it thrusts it in our hand for our everyday lives, as well as to take into the darkest of places. VCBCS has changed my life, how I see myself, who I am as a wife. It impacts my family, friends, and community as I've shared. 
So now I am all in. And it's not about college credit to me or even a degree, but about being trained up to bring the good news of Jesus Christ and the power of the kingdom into every situation. So if God is nudging you to take a class, do it. I can't promise that it will be easy, but I can guarantee that it will be the best decision you make for yourself and everyone around you. Well, thanks so much, Tracy. Man, Tracy is awesome. And I love the manner in which she describes the role of VCBCS as a weapon in the spiritual realm, a weapon that thrusts the sword of the spirit, which of course is the word of God, into the hands of men and women who are called and entrusted by God to wield that sword, to wield the word of God into every area of their lives. And I love how she said, even to the most darkest places on the earth, because that's the point of all of this, right? That's the point. We learn the word so that we can live the word out. That's the point. And and all I'm doing is just echoing the words of our Savior. Jesus said on multiple occasions that the priority of those in the kingdom isn't just to hear the word, it's to obey the word. It's to do the word. It's to live the word out in trusting obedience. And that's the kind of students that we're producing at VCBCS. And that's the kind of listeners that we are attracting into this space on the Start to Finish podcast. So thank you. Thank you, every single one of you who are listening, because you're not just listening. You're not just tuning into each episode, but I know that you're committed to faithfully practicing the truths that you're hearing, the truths that you're learning, and becoming a doer of the Word of God. So let's get into today's teaching. As I mentioned earlier, we're in week three of a series on the presence of God. And so to, to briefly recap, in week one, we explored the unmistakable value of God's presence. There is nothing like the presence of God. There's no substitute for encountering and experiencing him. We can't measure his worth. We can't measure his presence. His presence truly is the greatest treasure that we can both find and continue to discover, right? I love that reality of seeking and finding, right? God said, if you seek me, you'll find me. And in the seeking, we do find him, but we're also left wanting more of him. That has been my experience. It certainly has been the experience experience of men and women uh, throughout the ages. In fact, um, here's one of them. In Psalm 84, the psalmist says, a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wicked of wickedness. Now, it's noteworthy to point out that the word that the words courts and house are often used metaphors in the Hebrew scriptures to describe the place of God's presence. So when the psalmist writes here, a day in your courts is better than a thousand, what he's saying is that a day in your presence is better than a thousand outside of your presence. Or he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper or a servant in the in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So what, what's he saying? He's saying, I'd rather be someone who is at the lowest end of the totem pole, but yet is in the presence of God, is in the house of God. In other words, the heart of the songwriter is that there's no place I'd rather be than in your presence. And I totally and completely agree with him. Another of the Psalms describes longing for God's presence this way in Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion 
forever. Now, can you feel the exclusive passion of these biblical authors that just pour off the pages of the word of God, right? The exclusive passion, that passion for no one and nothing but God. That's what was just exuding through these words, both in Psalm 84 and Psalm 73. Now, likewise, in his classic work, The Pursuit of God, a book that I love very much, A.W. Tozer, who happens to be an author that I read a lot and I love very much as well, uh, he once said, come near to the holy men and women of the past and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. Oh, it's so True. I, I want to continuously and and ceaselessly surround myself with those who have come before me, right? He, just like uh, Tozer said here, come near to the holy men and women of the past and you'll feel the heat of the desire after God, right? When we're reading uh, men like Tozer, when we're immersing ourselves in scriptures, uh, like Psalm 84 and Psalm 73 and so many others, uh, their passion, their desire, their longing gets reciprocated, gets imparted into our hearts and everything changes. Our priorities change, our purposes change, our desires change, and we become true God pursuers and God seekers who value his presence above everything else, right? So that was week one. Now in week two, which of course was last week's episode, we began to mine the fields of God's manifold perfections. That's how the theologians refer to, um, to to God's attributes, his manifold perfections. And we looked into his omnipresence, right? This is the feature of God's nature that's transcendent. It's beyond, it's other than ours. And it's defined as God being everywhere present at all times. Just let that sink in. God's presence, his omnipresence, is him being everywhere present at all times. Time. So unlike the rest of God's creation, both human and spiritual beings uh, who are limited in space and time, right? You can only be in one place at one time. So can I. But God is, he's different, right? Uh, I mean, it's what makes him God. So by definition, he is limitless. He is unrestrained. He is unrestricted. It's like the prophet Isaiah announced on God's behalf in Isaiah 66 verse 1, where he says, heaven is is my throne and earth is my footstool. That's how big God is. Heaven is his throne and the earth is like his, his ottoman, right? It's his footstool. I mean, there's no place that God is not. His very being both occupies, occupies the, the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. He is both in heaven and he's on earth at the same time. So we can't quantify how big God is. And as I advocated for in the last episode, uh, his bigness, his omnipresence, his transcendent reality is why we should worship him. It's why he's deserving of all praise and, and all glory. It's also why we should continue to search him out and examine and encounter his presence. Because listen, his presence is more than theoretical. And so many have reduced his presence to being something that we study. That's not what we're doing in this series. Though we will study his presence as it is recorded in scripture, we're not content with just learning about how other people uh, interacted with God, how God interacted with them. We want to experience them just as he 
did, right? So his presence is more than theoretical. His presence is real. His presence is alive. And, and even better than that, his presence is personal. So we know this because the Bible's proof. The Bible um, is, is, is evidence that God is a personal God who wants to reveal himself, who wants to make himself known. Uh, and, and that's why we have God. It's how we can know God. I mean, if, if God didn't reveal himself, we couldn't find him. We couldn't discover him. And yet the fact is uh, that he is, and he's alive and well, and he's a revealing God. Uh, he wants to be personally experienced. And that's why you're listening to this particular episode, because you want to experience him as well. God's desire, and I, I'm convinced it's an eternal desire, uh, is that he wants to dwell among his creation. That's why Jesus came. Jesus was described as Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter 7, God with us. The fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy was that God was no longer going to be separated or distant from his, from his people, that he was going to be with us and he was going to be among us. And of course, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, he would be in us. The coming of Christ, which we'll look at surely in a future episode, um, is is is. God providing not only just a substitute for our sin, but the substance of his presence. So in Jesus, and particularly uh, through the cross, he reconciles us to God, and he opens up again access to the presence of the Father. So in this way, those of us who were previously exiled from his presence because of sin could now once again draw near to God. So that's a... Uh, kind of a brief recap of week two, uh, where we looked at uh, the omnipresence of God. Uh, but for today, and, and now to the end uh, of this episode, I want to turn our attention to the Word of God uh, to see that while God is is beyond, He's transcendent, He's superior to all of His creation, He's also shown to be present and among His creation. And the greatest evidence of this is when we survey the entirety of the biblical story. When we look at the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, chapter after chapter, page after page, will unveil the reality of God's presence among human beings. So this is also what will demonstrate how fiercely relational God is. God is so relational. And because he's relational, is 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 why we can enjoy our salvation. It's why we can enjoy all the redemptive benefits and the blessings that we have because we're in Christ and Christ is is in us. So while God is in, entirely beyond the scope of our imagination, uh, the scriptures put the focus of his presence in the midst of his dwelling with people. So as, as you begin to open up the word of God uh, and you read it from beginning to end, you find that there are several pivotal points highlights along the way in which God chooses to specially and, and particularly manifest himself. And, and, and undoubtedly, you know many of them, but they include things like God's presence uh, with Adam and Eve in Eden uh, before the entrance of sin, and then God's presence with humanity uh, following the entrance of sin, which of course includes Adam and Eve when he covers them uh, with the, um, the skins of the innocent uh, animal, right? The blood of the innocent covers um, the, the the guilty. Uh, so beyond Adam, of course, th- this goes on into uh, people like Enoch, who walked with God, and, and Noah. Obviously, God revealed himself uh, pretty powerfully, and particularly with Noah and his family as well, before the flood. 
Uh, then we see uh, God's presence as he reveals himself to the family of Abraham. Uh, and that is, first of all, to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, and then later to the offspring of Abraham that will become known as the nation of Israel, right? The 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob will become the 12 tribes of Israel. And God uh, has, a, has a particular and um, unique revelation uh, to Israel uh, because he presents himself uh, in the tabernacle, in the temple, through mediators, through priests. And so most of us know uh, the, uh, the functioning of the Old Covenant was based upon the priests presenting sacrifices on behalf of the people. So the people couldn't approach God directly. They needed these, uh, these, these, um, uh, these mediators, these, these priests who were selected by God. They were selected among the tribes. Um, they were called the Levites, and they were a special tribe that were God's representatives um, for the people. So that was a, a unique manifestation. And even in the midst of that, there's, there's, a, there's a further unique manifestation that God makes to one of uh, the, um, the individuals within Israel, and he's known as David. David uh, was a, had a special heart for God. Uh, God even said, he, he's got a heart after me, he's got a heart like me, and he's got a heart that pursues me. And um, there's certainly some, some really cool insight when you study God's relationship with David, you study David's tabernacle, and you see that David's expression, the expression of his heart to worship God, to praise God, um, had almost, um, I don't know, it was kind of like a preview of what was to come in the new covenant. Uh, there wasn't a, a tent that had confinements. There was a, uh, a tent without walls. There was a mode of expression where people could uh, approach God directly and, and personally and abandon themselves in, in heartfelt song and praise and, and be very personal with God again. Of course, that wouldn't be uh, until the coming of Jesus, because when you turn the pages of the Bible to the New Testament, uh, God's most complete revelation of himself and his, and his desire to dwell among men is shown to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2 talks about that. Jesus is the true temple and the true tabernacle or the true dwelling place. Uh, you see that in John chapter 2, verses 19 and 21. And of course, in that hallmark passage of John 1, verse 14, where John describes Jesus as the word, the eternal word that becomes flesh or becomes a human being, and he dwelt. And that word dwelt literally means to tabernacle himself among people. Of course, following the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, God is then going to choose to dwell in the tabernacle or in the dwelling place known as the church, the community of called out ones. And he does this individually, of course, uh, in every believer's heart by his Holy Spirit. Uh, and he also dwells corporately in the church um, as a whole um, as we are referred to as the body of Christ, right? I'm not just the body of Christ. When we're connected, when we're, when we're pieced together, when we're joined together as the body, uh, we're the body of Christ. And the body, of course, has many members. So, um, but we're called the body of Christ, the church is, and we're also called the bride of Christ as well. And then, of course, the Bible doesn't stop there, but the ultimate revelation of the dwelling place of God is seen in the future renewal of all creation, the new heavens and the new earth, and they will characterize um, God's dwelling place among his people for all of eternity. Now, 
In all of these, the storyline of scripture traces a God who is both relationally and redemptively living among his people. And what is most important for each of each of us, each of you to grasp as you consider this is that this includes you, right? It's not just that God so loves the world. It's also that God loves you. It's not just that God wants to dwell among all of his redeemed. God wants to dwell with you. He wants to dwell near you. And I don't know if you're like me at times when we study themes like this, it's breathtaking to become aware that um, God has this intense and personal desire to reveal himself to people like Abraham and, and, and Moses, right? These are heroes that tend to be elevated in our minds to the degree that we feel like, of course, God would want to show up and show out for these guys. I mean, they're powerhouses for God. They're the elite. They're, they're the best. But, but people like me and you, I mean, we don't receive burning bush experiences or we don't, uh, you know, have these unique solicitations to, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. As we examine, you know, the, the, the storyline of scripture, as we scan the horizon of it all, while God has surely chosen to make himself known in unique ways to particular people for particular purposes throughout history, this doesn't change the fact that he desires to dwell close and intimately with you, each and every one of us. Because God's love is great, it's unchangeable, and he has directed his heart towards you. He's invited you to draw near to him. Uh, I'm reminded of James chapter four and verse eight, where James writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Maybe that's exactly, amidst all of what you've heard uh, today so far, maybe that's exactly what you needed to hear. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Now for the remainder of this episode, let's take a look at one very large emphasis in the story of scripture that actually could be described as uh, the Bible's foundation for understanding the presence of God. And, and that is none other than the Bible's bookends, Genesis, Revelation, more specifically, Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22. It's God's presence in the Garden of Eden. It's God's presence in the renewed Eden, or what we refer to as the new earth. So guys, it's impossible to separate the first two chapters of the Bible from the last two. They're without a doubt inextricably linked. Um, The similarities that exist are uncovered in in a simple reading, honestly. Um, Read them consecutively. Read Genesis 1, read Genesis 2, and then then move on to uh, to Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. I was challenged to do this several years ago. And it was amazing to see how synchronized these chapters are. Both sections portray God dwelling with man in an unhindered, unrestricted communion. So there's nothing. Sin's not present. Um, you know, all of the, all of the, the tentacles that, 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 that come off of sin, right? Death, destruction, uh, lies, uh, deceits disappointments, discouragement, I mean, I mean, all, I mean, all of it's, you, you don't see it. You don't see it in Genesis 1 and 2. You don't see it in Revelation 21 and 22. It's God, you know, and his presence with human beings. Um, and, and there's nothing that can hinder that communion. So you also see in those sections uh, that both contain 
um, images of, of life-giving streams and of, of water, right? The river of, of life. It's both in Genesis and it's both in Revelation as well. Um, you also see that um, the tree of life is a focal point in, in both places, right? It, you find the tree of life in Genesis 2, uh, of course, and that's in contrast to uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, that, that Adam and Eve were forbidden uh, to eat from, but they could eat um, you know, from the tree of life and, and, and they could enjoy and they could indulge. Um, and so you see that in Genesis, but you also see the, the tree of life mentioned in Revelation 21 and 22. I mean, that's no coincidence whatsoever. So the tree of life is a focal point. And you also notice how both scenes are filled with precious stones that reveal the, be- the beauty and the purity of what the ancient Jews would have described as shalom, right? That shalom. Uh, shalom in Hebrew is oftentimes uh, translated as, 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 the, as the word peace, but it's so much more than our understanding of peace. It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's perfection. It's nothing lacking. It's nothing missing, right? And that's what you see in Genesis 1 and 2. In, in creation, in the original creation, there's shalom. There's perfect harmony. There's perfect blessing. There's perfect rhythm. Uh, and you also see that in Revelation 21 and 22. It's so incredible. And it's so inspiring and, and inviting. And so, you know, while these examples serve to point us to the harmony that exists between the beginning and the end, the prime feature of both sections of scripture is, is this. It's the presence of of God. It's the presence of God dwelling intimately with his people. And so this underscores for us that God's vision for history was and always will be the revealing of his presence. And the capstone of this truth, I had to just, I had to read this because the, the, the capstone of, of this reality is Revelation 21 one through four, where John uh, reports what I guess I would describe as the consummation of the best news ever. So Revelation 21 verses one through four, it reads like this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And of course, this is just God being true to his promises. Adam's fall did not stop God's vision from coming to pass. Nothing will, nothing ever will. Nothing can stop God's purposes. Nothing can prevent God's intentions to dwell intimately with man and create a partnership where humans live as image-bearing representatives, ruling and stewarding God's purposes, committed and loyal to extending his heart and his presence throughout the earth. Nothing, nothing can stop it. God is going to remake his broken world. The old earth will give way to a new one. And one, thank God, that is not tainted with sin. One that's not marked by death, separation, and exile. No, Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4 is the hallmark passage 
that Scripture has to satisfy our longing to know that all things will be made new. Jesus said this, I will make all things new. And it's this last statement that just rings in my heart as we come to a close today. The renewed creation will be more than simply a redo of the beginning. It's not that God is just rewinding history to start all over again. No, he's moving it forward to its ultimate destiny. So as you read Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, you'll, you'll recall that, that God's garden becomes Revelation's new city. And this city is not going to contain chaos and darkness. That's what the, the eradication of the sea, sea was often a Hebrew metaphor for chaos and confusion. Um, it's not going to contain any of that. It's not going to contain any form of impurity. No, the future new creation is qualitatively greater than the old creation. So the innocence of old Eden that was kind of restricted to a certain piece of real estate somewhere in the Middle East, that's going to be transformed into a new Eden that will be free of any limitation whatsoever. And, and this is, in, in a part, uh, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Habakkuk 2 and verse 14 that announces, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. This new Eden, like many things related to a proper understanding of the kingdom, is both a now and a not yet reality, right? So it exists now because of Jesus, because we have Christ, we have the ideal and the standard for how we're to live our lives. Uh, in other words, we have access to God's presence now. We have access to God's thinking now. We have access to God's world now. And we can accept his invitation to come and come to him and, and abide with him and remain with him now, right? There's no reason for us to wait. We can live as stewards of his presence uh, even in the midst of a, of a world that is so lost, so broken, a world that has forsaken him, a work that, world that has rejected him, um, we, can, we, can, we can live now the way that he has always intended us to live. We can carry his nature. We can offer it to our neighbors um, in real intangible ways. And yet, of course, I mean, we all are, are, are obviously aware of this, that there awaits a true revealing of this new Eden-like existence. And that's why we all cry out, even so, Lord, come quickly. So this coming new Eden is the fulfillment of all of God's dreams and all of God's desires. And in this new Eden, he will be revealed fully and freely like he never has before. And that's going to be to all of us who have placed our trust and placed our faith in his son, Jesus. So at the unveiling of the renewed Eden, all things, everything will be made new. And just as God promised, his presence will dwell eternally with all of his redeemed. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the Start to Finish podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening along. And again, knowing that you are being doers of the word as well. I hope that this this particular episode just drives you into the throne room of God. It just thrusts you into a place where you just want to get along with God, get his word, get his presence, um, listening to, to worship music, uh, pursuing him, uh, just like what Tozer described, you know, getting 
the heat of the passion of those men and women of old uh, into our spirit, right? Just allowing that thing to climb up inside of us so that we can, we can pursue God with the same intensity and the same longing that they did. Like the, the psalmist of Psalm 84 and Psalm 73, or people like, um, you know, Abraham, Moses, David, people like Paul, people like, um, you know, Timothy and others who just wanted nothing more than to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. I love the words of Paul when he said, oh, to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering, that we would have that exclusive desire for God's presence. And I hope that this episode provoked you to do just that. So would you join me now just in a quick word of prayer? Uh, Father, thank you for the time that we had together. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the truths that we're learning. God, that it's your eternal desire to want to dwell among your people, not just your people, but each and every one of us. You love us with an everlasting love. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercy abounds. It's new every morning, and you want to reveal yourself to us. So I pray, God, that we would be so mindful, so receptive, so sensitive to your presence, that we wouldn't just be alert and aware that you are near us when we're at church or when we're reading our Bible, but that, God, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, that we're mindful of your nearness, that we're mindful of your presence, that we're mindful of your desire, Lord, to be brought into every detail of our life, every thought that we think. Lord, every meditation of our heart, you want to be enjoined to us, you want to be a part of. And so, Lord, we purpose to do just that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, guys, thanks again so much for joining me today. Hey, listen, if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow the show. Leave a rating, leave a review. That just really helps us. It helps this podcast and the cause and the mission that we have to reach as many people as we possibly can. So if you haven't done that, please do that uh, today. Subscribe, follow, leave a rating, leave a review, drop me a comment. Let me know how this uh, particular podcast is blessing you because I know that it also has the potential to bless others as well. So until we meet again next week, we're going to continue our series on the presence of God. Please be well, be safe, be healthy, be blessed. I'll see you all again real soon.